Matt, I don't know about you, but that trade deadline for the NHL was uh, pretty crazy. A couple days, you know? It's been it's been crazy, and I'm excited to talk about it today. Um, in the spirit of, of keeping things uh, straightforward, we're going to have a, a very special trade deadline review episode here. We're going to recap all the... Uh, all the all the trades that went down uh, leading up to the NHL trade deadline, so uh, that's going to be fun. That's uh, pretty much our our main main topic today. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. it was it was crazy. Yeah, we haven't really done these kind of episodes in a long time, and would have loved to do this uh, right at, on the day of the deadline. But like our our personal lives have been pretty busy, so a couple of days late. But on the plus side, we have we had some time to digest everything that just happened. We'll, we'll give you guys a proper analysis. Oh, yeah. And, and just like you said, it's been really busy. I, I, personal lives picking up, but uh, we're still going to grind this out. And um, and even with, you know, guests, we're going to bring guests on, things like that. It's just a lot of the time the scheduling is getting tougher, uh, I guess, now that things are picking up. But how's your week been? Uh, I mean, before we get into that, let me just introduce them. Uh, this is the Behind the Net podcast for any new listeners. Uh, this is, I think, episode 65. I'm uh, one of your hosts, Matthew, and with me is my other host. Michael, and we always talk primarily about uh, the Toronto sports teams. That would be the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Toronto Raptors, and the Toronto Blue Jays, mm-hmm. as well as uh, some of the other uh, women's sports teams or whatever is happening in the city. But yeah, the bit, the first three we mentioned are ones we primarily focus on. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, before we get into that, yeah, how was your week uh, again? Like for the last few weeks, if you just listen back, we've been very busy. Things have been picking up, which is good after a year of really not having much to do. Um, but like I said, we're still going to grind out this podcast and bring some great guests on uh, 100%. Um, but yeah, Michael, what about you? I know you, you've been working. Uh, anything cool uh, been happening in your free time? Yeah, uh, honestly, nothing too crazy. Uh, just just the same old same old i'm gonna be honest man it's nothing's really changed but uh i'm kind of getting into the mcu movies uh recently so i finally got to watch a couple of the movies i haven't uh, seen yet for some reason i don't know why but i digress i I, i'm all caught up now so give me some more falcon and winter soldier episodes (laughs) i need to get back on that because i haven't watched one division yet i actually i was gonna do a full run through of like in the mcu the the storyline order not just in the release order of the films but in the actual um the order of the you know that the uh the storyline supposed to to follow um and i started and i think i got up to uh the first avengers and then i don't know i just kind of fell out of it. that was like last month or a couple months ago um i should get back on that and then watch one division and watch all the new content that they've been coming out with yeah, absolutely great. It's a great series. Uh, if you haven't watched it yet, I don't. I don't know how anyone of the listeners haven't seen it yet. <laughs> but yeah, get on it. It's a great show. Oh, I've seen. I've. I haven't watched Wandavision. That's the only one. But I've seen all the MCU movies. I've just. I want to. I want to watch it all at once so I can, you know, redigest it. Um, I'll ask you. What What's your favorite MCU movie? It has to be the last two Avengers movies, Infinity War and Endgame. Right? Just the the ensemble cast uh, is always great, and you know when the bad guy wins, it's just something you never really see. So just to see that was pretty cool, and then uh, seeing it all a proper closure in the second movie, uh, it's great stuff. It's it's really good. Uh, it's, it's like the MCU at its peak. Infinity War and Endgame were both insanely awesome like uh i have fond memories i remember going to uh me and my friends we went to the Scotiabank uh theater the one downtown um and we watched both on release day or release night um so the hype was insane uh when we went it just made it that much better like um uh, end game like you know literally cheering in the in the audience like what, what more could you ask from a movie audience right it was so cool <laughs> but yeah. um yeah, no, yeah, those ones are great. I would say, honestly, I would say, yeah, Endgame or um, I really dig the Spider-Man movies. <laughs> um, really like the direction they're going with the Spider-Man movies. Obviously, yeah, I really, uh, I don't know. It's also very funny. Those are really funny ones too. And um, for me, maybe Iron Man one. Mm-hmm. Probably, I really like Iron Man one. Watched I'm actually watching a lot of times. I'm actually decided to rewatch that recently. I, I, actually, not recently. I'm, I was rewatching it before we started recording. <laughs> it still holds up. Yeah, it's great. I've watched that so many times. Probably Iron Man is probably the, 
the I mean it is the beginning of the whole MCU but it probably is the one I've watched the most too um yeah yeah so yeah I gotta get back on that and just uh finish up my rewatch of all of them in order yeah exactly and Black Panther 2 Black Panther is another great movie yes 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 Black Panther is awesome all right uh I think uh with that uh you want to head into the big talk the uh trade deadline talk which is the main thing we're going to talk about this week i mean quick shout out you know um shout out to the raptors the raptors are still uh pretty much the same thing they've been uh battling for a playoff spot that season's end is come is drawing near and and the blue jays i mean we want to talk about the blue jays we'll probably talk about them a lot more next week um it's still early in the season so we wanted to let a few more games in uh and then uh have a bigger discussion about the blue jays but today is all uh trade deadline talk so uh where should yeah. we begin should we talk about uh i mean let's before we even get into the trades that they made i mean the toronto maple leafs uh as of right now we're filming uh, we're recording this on wednesday uh evening and the leafs have lost two games in a row uh but last night's was a uh overtime loss and then the mm-hmm. night before was to the Montreal Canadiens. Um, but other than that, like before that, they were they were playing very well. Um, how many how many games in a row did they win? Let me just take a look here. I think it might have been One, four two, or three. five. Four games, four games in a row. That's a good. Uh, and even that, it's it's four games in five, uh, like four wins in five games. That's that's good. Um, even before that, um, or even five wins in six. Uh, Actually, I'm just looking like they were they were playing very well for the last month. March was a very good month for them, um, mm-hmm. especially the end of the month and going into April. But yeah, so before we get into the trades, just off the top, like I know last week we talked about the goaltending situation. It looks like Jack Campbell's the uh, the starter now, and it we'll get into it in a bit. Um, it looks like Freddie might be out until the playoffs at least. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, it definitely is concerning for his long-term health, but um, at the same time, the Leafs have been playing pretty well, like getting good performances from their goaltending, uh, to be more exact. Jack Campbell obviously had that long uh, winning streak to start the season, an NHL record-setting winning streak to start the season, to be more exact. I think it was 11 straight games before he lost to Montreal on Monday. Uh, he's been playing really well. Uh, last uh, Monday was probably not his best game. Uh, didn't wasn't fully the reason they lost but definitely one of those things that you kind of wish that he uh i I guess you know what it is when you're so used to the your team winning it's kind of hard to process losses so often and i think that's kind of what's happened with jack campbell but i digress Mm -hmm. just to going back to freddie anderson the least all the best the least can be in is uh when freddie anderson's at his best and um and fully healthy Mm -hmm. and right now he's not fully healthy the last thing they should do is try and rush him back in and that's why they made one of the trades that we'll get into a little bit later. It gives them more time to give Freddie rest, get some time to recover. And if he gets back up to speed, he can easily slot right back in the lineup. Oh, for sure. Um, and then other than that, really, do you think uh, the Leafs are going at a good pace? So I, I was going to ask you, do you think, uh, are you you know worried about their current losing streak? But not even that, but do you think the Leafs are consistently a team that you are like do you feel that they'll be pretty consistent until the end of the season or do you, do you have any slight doubts even going into playoffs i guess really the only doubt is like can this team uh, make it past the first round i guess that's really what everyone's <laughs> that's question the biggest is fear i know people think that this Leafs team is capable of uh, possibly uh, doing going on a deep playoff run but i won't fully believe it until they win at least run round I, I don't know about you i'm fully but- with you there like this is the best Maple Leafs team we've seen in a long time. And this season is the best opportunity they have um, to at least make the conference finals even. Um, but honestly, part of me is always going to like, I, I just can't say they'll even get past the first round. I have to see it to believe it. You know, it's just, it's been kind of the same narrative for the last few years that it, it's um, the Leafs are looking great and like they should make it out of the first round, but they, they did, they don't. And even last season, like, you know, like we were, we were almost sure of it that they'd make it out of the play, uh, the play-in round, and mm-hmm. I mean they didn't. So, 
they have to overcome that hump before we could, you know, raise our expectations a bit more. But all yeah. I'm going to leave it at is this is the best, um, the best opportunity they have to have a deep playoff run. Exactly. Yeah. So until I think a lot of fans are probably not feeling too confident in the team's overall chances just because of how scarred the team they, has been they, made them over the years. Fans have been hurt. Fans have been hurt for 50 years, 50 plus years. Yeah. Not only that, but the last 20 years, yeah. fans have been hurt. Yeah, even so, though even just the, the new era, like since 2016, 2017, it's been a lot of hurt too. Exactly. So yeah, I think that's just really that, that seed of doubt. It's like, will this team be able to actually do anything once the playoffs begin? It's just that's all we really want to see. I think I think you me and you both. Like mm. let's start let's start with winning around, then we'll go from there. Yeah. Um so you want to start with the trades or or what? Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. So I think the, the good trade to start off with is the David Riddick trade. Yeah. Just because yeah, we, just we're, we were talking we're discussing about discussing it. Yeah. So yeah. I mean we were talking about Freddie Anderson being injured uh possibly till the end of the season. And I think the the main thing uh like the main thing backing that up is the fact that uh so the Leafs went out and acquired David Riddick for a uh twenty twenty two uh third rounder, which isn't a it's not it's not a bad price to pay for David Riddick. He's a capable backup goaltender i mean he was a capable starter just having uh, a bit of a decline there but he can still be a capable backup and he's a big upgrade from uh michael hutchinson which is the main thing mm-hmm. that we were talking about to go out and get a goaltender so the leafs addressed that issue but like we've been talking about the last few episodes it looks like they're going to roll with jack campbell and you know whichever backup they were going to get and they, it ended up being david riddick and we always had a big question mark on Freddie Anderson, and that probably cements the fact that um, Freddie's not going to be at least playing for a bit. Because otherwise, if he was, if his return was just around the corner, I'm sure they wouldn't have minded just doing a one, one A, one B type pairing of uh, of uh, Jack Campbell and, and Freddie Anderson. Mm-hmm. So what this basically tells me is also that they I do have their one A one B tandem ready, but that's for next season. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's assuming, of course, they are able to keep uh, David Riddick because, uh, like Jack Campbell, he too is uh, on an expiring contract. Um, I don't know. Like one of those goalies has to stay. Freddie I would Anderson imagine too. between between Freddie that's Anderson and David Riddick, one of the, you got to keep one. I'd imagine the Leafs are probably intent on not keeping Freddie because he's probably going to want to ask a lot. And his recent performance does not justify uh, how how much he'd want now, want to make. I also think like he had a really down year this year. So does that affect? That'll definitely affect his negotiations. So maybe it is possible the Leafs can get him at a cheaper price, or who knows? I feel like yeah, there are going to be teams out there ready to overpay, but we don't know. Maybe maybe it could hurt his his market value. Yeah. And that's I th- that's really the bottom line here is that Freddie needs a, a big bounce back to in order to even get the money that he probably thinks he's worth. Mm-hmm. And these last couple of years proved that uh, he's maybe doesn't really if he wants to make a big big contract he's got to have to he's not really shown it. So yeah, like it's it's a tough it's a tough go for Freddie right now, especially with at least getting a a pretty pretty good goalie and David Riddick, who I think will be a great addition for the rest of the season and going into the playoffs and potentially for next season. Uh, I think if the Leafs are able to keep David Riddick and Jack Campbell for 2021-2022, that's a pretty good 1A, 1B if I don't say so myself. Mm -hmm. Like I said, yeah, David Riddick, I mean, he was a very capable starter. He was really good um, just like literally over the last couple seasons. And then um, this this, uh, season, he's definitely been having... More of a down year. They were looking to get um, rid of him, but it was it was a smart move because yeah, like you you're adding a third string goaltender who could also be a you know a backup or even a starter if you needed. And then we know that they're pretty high on Jack Campbell right now. I mean, it's a small sample size. I know he's just he just got the NHL record for most starts to begin a season, but um, let's remember like for most of his career, he's been touted as a a backup goaltender. He's having a hot season, and I mean. Just goalies in general, they can just be hot some seasons and, and, and kind of decline the next season, as we've seen. So it's very hard to judge his consistency, but as of this season, at least, uh, he's showing good potential that he can ride this out, hopefully. 
Mm-hmm. I think that's really all it is uh, for this point. At least prepare giving giving their backup goalie position a bit of a, an upgrade, and also preparing uh, for next season. And I think that's really all it is. It's a good move. They didn't didn't give up much to get him, and the fact they only had to give up a third to retain for the Calgary Flames to retain half his salary. Pretty good work by Kyle Dubas. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure, um, it is pretty good. And and like we'll talk about this more with the other trades, the whole. Uh... Uh, salary retention, but Kyle Dubas is making it making it work with a tight budget. That's some good stuff. Uh, we'll probably talk about the, that in the next trade. Actually, you want to talk about uh, the Nick Foligno trade? Yes, the big trade. Uh, everyone uh, was was expecting least to make a big move at the deadline. Uh, this is the trade. Um, I, mean, I have, have some, some mixed feelings. You have some I, mixed I have feelings. some mixed feelings about it, but it's not for uh, the player himself. I want you to. I want you to give your thoughts on it first. So my mixed feelings are probably similar to yours. Um, in the fact of the, I like the trade. Like I like the. I like the fact that the Leafs acquired Nick Foligno because I think he fits perfectly on the team. He adds, um, more defense. Um, on that offensive core, he's a big body. Like he's very physical. Um, and he's a veteran, a leader. Um, and. I mean, if we like, we we know that uh, the Leafs played like an inexperienced team for the last few years, and hopefully this playoff run is the one that they can get over the hump. And you need those kind of proven winners and leaders to help get over that hump. And he was kind of he he was kind of the, exactly what the Leafs are looking for that uh, that can slot into that uh, middle six. Um, mm-hmm. Now the mixed feelings comes in with the price. Like I like the I like the I like the players. I like the trade, but I don't like the price that the Leafs had to pay. Uh, I think Columbus got a really good deal out of this. Um, and like we'll probably talk about after, it's it, in comparison to other trades that went down, but it, it, it looks like an overpayment, like a 2021 first, a first-round pick, and two-fourths. One went to Columbus and one went to San Jose. Um, mm-hmm. I know the, the, the Leafs also got uh, Steven Neeson uh, from the Sharks. In that trade, it was a three-team trade. Um, but like, I still, it, it, it is a quite an overpayment because 2021 first rounder, um, that's, that's a lot to pay for Nick Felina, who I thought was going to go for, you know, honestly around a second round pick, probably maybe a prospect with that, a mid-level prospect, mm-hmm. uh, was more so the asking price. I don't know. Obviously it's hard to gauge the value of these picks, but like, and I know this season, a lot of people are going to say, the draft class is going to be a strong, the pandemic's going to uh, mess up, you know, like the potential for prospects, things like that. Um, and is also going to be a later pick, but still a first round pick is, is pretty valuable. Even if it goes right up to 31. It does. Yeah. Or 32 actually. Cause uh, don't forget the Seattle mm-hmm. Kraken are joining the NHL uh, after this, this coming year. Yeah. Um, and they will be participating in the 2021 draft. So something to keep in mind, folks, uh, the, this draft pick could be as late as the, the 32nd overall pick. Um, but yeah, that's, that's I'm that's, with you there. My criticism of the trade well. is the exact same. Exactly, yeah. yeah. My criticism of the trade is essentially that. Nick Foligno, great player. I think a, a valuable addition to the team. I think he is, uh, what he provides on and off the ice is, is it's going to be incredibly valuable and something that this lease team uh, could definitely use. What I do not agree with is the price they had to pay for it. Now, let's be perfectly clear. The way that they had to make this deal work is uh, cap shenanigans. Not only did Columbus have to retain 50% of the salary, but then they had to get San Jose to retain 50% of that 50%. So the lease are paying Nick Foligno 25% of his salary for the remainder of the Which- season. I was gonna say is is a great strategy, of course, by um, by Kyle Dubas, and we saw Tampa do the same thing, uh, literally like the day before. Um, it's a great way to get out of paying, you know, the salary there and saving money. Um, but yeah, I'll let you go on. Yeah, no, it's just pretty much it. As much as I, I understand the, the what kind of a player he is and all that it took to get him on the team. I still don't fully agree with the price they had to pay to get said player. A first round pick for a guy like that, I don't think matches the value. I think a second round pick to me seems more fair because when you look at who else was available on the market, Taylor Hall, Taylor Hall probably wasn't get a first round pick, but the least could have used that to their full advantage and maybe spent a little bit more to get a much better player. 
who I think would have been a great help to this Leafs team for the remainder of the season, given them the additional offensive help and expose a uh, help alienate. Uh, al- I don't know the word I'm looking for, but like it help uh, soothe a kind of weakness that when that was kind of uh, apparent when Nylander has got went into COVID protocol this past week. These could totally use an additional top six forward. And I thought Taylor Hall would have been the perfect fit and he would have not cost much to acquire. So when mm-hmm. you consider that Taylor Hall went first, only a second round pick and a roster player, whereas Lee's had to give up a first to get Nick Felino, that's where my frustration comes from. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I have this listed as one of the other trade deadline trades we're going to talk about later, but I think Taylor Hall is the biggest trade from another team. So I might as well, we might as well fit it in here and talk about it here, but the Boston Bruins acquired Taylor Hall. But first I want to say the Nick Foligno trade happened before the Taylor Hall trade happened. So the Leafs kind of set the, the, I guess the basis, the, uh, the floor for the, um, for the value of, of these players. Um, and Boston got Taylor Hall and Curtis Lazar from Buffalo, uh, for Anders Bjork and a second round pick. So, um, I mean, that's basically a mid-level prospect plus a second-round pick for Taylor Hall. And the Leafs traded... I mean, I essentially the Leafs traded a first and a fourth. Um, that f- fourth to San Jose, I won't really count it because um, you have to pay to get out of salary, and, and, and the Leafs had to do that. So I think it's a decent price to pay a fourth-round pick, sure, to save, like, a good amount on a, on a cap... Uh, in a cap-tight situation. But, um, yeah, like... I don't know. It's it's tough. You can't really compare Taylor Hall and Nick Foligno because it's more like they're they're like completely different players. So Nick Foligno, I think, definitely fits on the Leafs more, like like better. Like they don't necessarily need the offense from Taylor Hall, but like he's that star player that it would be really nice to have. It would just literally boost your offense like a lot more. Um, so I think it's really tough. And like you said, like when you see what other players were going for like this was a pretty big overpayment and Nick Foligno has not been having the best year either no exactly yeah but then again Columbus has been a team historically that's never really been a place to to generate much offensive mm. uh chances I mean with uh, Buffalo that, as well this season well Buffalo <laughs> is just by historic proportion Buffalo so is Buffalo yeah it was only a matter of time before Buffalo, like uh, the players that were that, that left Buffalo, would find their rhythm on a better team. That just Buffalo's been that offensively inept, and Columbus is just by design. But it's worked in the past. This season, it just didn't really work in their favor. Mm-hmm. So, I he Nick Foligno is probably going to get a couple more points. Uh, he's probably going to pick up his production. But Taylor Hall, I think, is going to have a great end of the season. Yeah. He's going to do so much better in Boston and he's going to finally at least get back on track because he's on a winning team and he's, he's motivated to try and do more in the playoffs than he's done in years past, which is the whole reason why you try to get him in the first place. You buy on a diminished asset for as cheap as you could possibly acquire him and reap the rewards. That's what the least could have done. Instead, they went in a different direction. And while I agree with the player that they got, I don't agree with the price they paid. Okay, let me ask you this. If the Leafs are able to acquire Nick Foligno or Taylor Hall at the exact same price, let's say whatever, that Taylor Hall would have costed, uh, let's say a second-round pick and a mid-level prospect, which of the two players would you rather have? Between for, Taylor for, Hall and... For a and... contending team. Yeah, think of it specifically for, for the Leafs right now. Well, I guess it just depends on need, right? Mm-hmm. Because, but, but if you're, if we're picking like who's the better player, it's obviously Taylor Hall. Yeah, no, I'm, no question about I'm it. I'm asking like specifically for the lease, if they could acquire one of the two to help their cup run, you know, who would you rather have if they were the same value? If they were the same value, yeah. If, it was, if they 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 could have got them in basically the same trade. Oof, that's uh, for like like which same trade are we talking about the Taylor Hall or the Nick yeah? Lino let's trade? say. Let's say they could have got Nick Foligno for a mid-level prospect in a second, or they could have got Taylor Hall for those exact same pieces. Just if it came down to those two, which one would you if, rather have on the Leafs for the rest of the season? Well, if you put it in that in, the, in those terms, I'd pick Taylor Hall. See, I know, like I, I get that, um, but I think 
I think the thing that's kind of easing me with this uh, trade, it is an overpayment, but you know what? Contending teams have to overpay sometimes like this, and um, I get it. Like, Nick Foligno does. Like, Taylor Hall is, is an amazing player. Um, he would definitely boost the offense of an already offensive team. But the Leafs don't necessarily need that offensive boost. They need things that, you know, don't necessarily show up on the scoreboard that Nick Foligno does, and he does well. And, you know, I guess Kyle Dubas had knew the hole that the Leafs had, and he said, you know, he needs to address that first, no matter what. Yeah. So that no, kind of eases that. my mind because it's more like, yeah, I mean, like I said, they're completely different players, right? It's not like you're getting um, one goal scorer or another goal scorer, right? Um, you you definitely Taylor Hall. We could tell, you know, he's literally a star player, a former MVP. Like, he has it in him to be in another, you know, a superstar player um, on an off year right now. Um, but it's more like, do the Leafs really need him? Or could they, or for this cup run, would they benefit more from getting a piece like Nick Foligno who does the things that are off the you know not on the score sheet that like you know bringing more, a more defensive game a more all-around game there and leadership I guess we'll just have to wait and see how this move plays out like I said the only thing I don't agree with is uh, what the Leafs pay to get Nick Foligno but mm-hmm. yes if the Leafs uh, win the Stanley Cup and that's a big if because we obviously <laughs> know there's no guarantees with this Leafs team <laughs> Then I will definitely say that yeah, it's I I I I understand Kyle Dubas's reasoning to want to go for it, but uh, even even uh-huh. if if it doesn't work out, yes, I'll respect that Kyle Dubas tried to make a big push, like put a lot of his chips to the front of the table, but I will not fully agree with his decision to give up that first round pick. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying, mm-hmm. and I I know a lot of people will disagree with me because I've already gotten plenty of it on Twitter the last couple of days, but. Yeah, I know. No, yeah, I, you're getting a lot of a lot of flock there, but I was gonna say, yeah, I'm still on the uh, I'm still on the side that it was an overpayment, but I'll say that I, I'm pretty sure it's that the Leafs needed a player, or they deemed themselves that they needed a player like Nick Foligno, and contending teams overpay like that. Like if you're that close to a good cup run, you know, it's almost like what's a first rounder to get exactly what you think you need to go deep, right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That, yeah. That's at the end of the day. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's the reality. So there's a few more trades uh, that the Leafs did. Smaller trades, so we'll just go through them pretty quickly because uh, those two that we just went over were the big ones. Um, they acquired Riley Nash for a 2022 seventh rounder. That's just a pretty much a depth trade. I, I believe he's he's on the long-term injury reserve right now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's just a depth piece for playoffs. <clears throat> but uh, Riley Nash, he's a he's a good player. Um and he had a good season with the Bruins a couple seasons ago, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. He was on the Bruins a couple seasons ago. And Leaf fans, uh, this Leaf team actually would be very familiar with Riley Nash because he was also in that same uh, play-in series uh, last summer. Mm-hmm. So they know full well uh, how difficult, difficult it is to play against him. Uh, so getting Riley Nash uh, on their team is a huge get because uh, according to... Like a lot of uh, advanced uh, stats research that people gave on Riley Nash, he's an amazing defensive center, probably one of the best in the game. Nothing happens on the ice <laughs> in the defensive end. <laughs> now, obviously, right, nothing happens in the offensive zone either for the league. <laughs> but it's a they won't find it if that means the puck does not go in the net. So yeah, yeah. for as a depth move for the playoffs, I think that's a good move. I, and yeah, exactly. Yeah, pretty much it. Yeah. Great depth move, uh, an additional piece used for the playoffs. Uh, obviously, they'd love to get him in a, a regular season game or two uh, before then, but uh, if if it takes until the playoffs, then I'm totally fine with it. Just over two seasons ago, he had 41 points with the Bruins. Like, that's good. And he has it in him. And, like, just for the playoffs, a depth piece to throw on your, you know, your bottom six, like, that's good. And for a seventh rounder, it's almost like, like, and if he if he can play healthy, like he could be a you know a, like an actual solid consistent piece in that bottom six too. So mm-hmm. I think they they got a good roster player. I know he's injured, but a possible roster player in the long run. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, 
Good. And they didn't give up much to get him. Uh, the seventh round pick, I believe, is conditional on the on the grounds. Uh, if he plays 25% of the Leafs playoff games, that turns into a sixth rounder. So, yeah, that tidy work by Dubas once again. I think that's a one, that was also one of their better trades. That's something that I think uh, will be one of their... One of the trades we look back on, that was an important trade they made uh, down the line. Mm-hmm. Good pickup there. Um, then their other trade, uh, they traded with San Jose. They traded, uh, actually, they traded uh, uh, Barabanov to San Jose for uh, Anti Sumela. I don't know. I, I need to learn to pronounce that name. But <laughs> <laughs> that's just a pretty much, it's, it's, it's a very, very minor trade. Yeah, pretty much it. Ant, uh, Tuomela has been primarily playing in the AHL the last couple of seasons. Uh, didn't really play much uh, with the Sharks this this past season. So I view this more as uh, additional help for the Marlies. Obviously, Barrett Banoff going the other way is a little bit sad because he came in with some promise. But as the season wore on, it was kind of hard to uh, point out uh, <clears throat> what uh, his role on the team was going to be. And I think that's just really it with Fords. Um, for just to really make it on this Leafs team, you have to stand out offensively. Yeah. And Bear Banoff did not really prove enough to stay in the lineup long long term. And the only reason he even played the last couple of couple of days is because of the fact that uh, William Nylander went on uh, COVID protocols for a week. Mm-hmm. And then when Nick Nick Robertson got called up to get a shot with the Leafs, uh, Nick Bear Banoff was a uh, was uh, put to the side and then sent off to San Jose, where I think he'll get a chance to play, maybe get some more playing time on a team that's likely not going to make the playoffs this season. And I think that that's good for his career. He's he's never really going to give give him a proper chance in Toronto just because of circumstance. So I hope he does well in San Jose. Mm-hmm. Same here. Yeah, it's exactly that. He wasn't really getting a you know he wasn't getting time here in Toronto playing time and and you know his role. Like we said, it, it really is like a lineup logjam in Toronto in terms of uh, their forward course. So, yeah, I mean, it was just simply they gave they tried the Barabanov uh, experiment. It was a good signing. It was a good depth signing, if anything, at the beginning mm-hmm. of the season. It was it was a trial. Um, look at this, like you know, uh, this prospect we can bring over, see how he does, and it just didn't work out. So you you know, flip him for something you could use in the AHL, right? Um, yeah, exactly. Simple as that. Uh, pretty straightforward trade there. And then uh, finally, the Leafs uh, acquired uh, defenseman Ben Ben Hutton from Anaheim for uh, a 2022 fifth rounder. So thoughts on that one? The Ben Hutton trade, I think, is another tidy work by uh, Dubas. Uh, you know, it's funny. Dubas mentioned that uh, he was Ben Hutton was a player that they had their eye on for a couple of years. Kyle Dubas always seems to remember the players that he really wants. And when he finds an opportunity to get them, he jumps all over it. And I think that's what happened here with Ben Hutton. That's this is what, what this does. It gives the Leafs additional depth on defense uh, be, beyond just Rasmus Sandin and Timothy Lilligren, who at least maybe are skeptical or has maybe not skeptical, hesitant to give more of a leash uh, with their big team just because of their lack of experience. So getting a, a guy with more experience than Ben Hutton just gives them that extra sense of security. And they can probably scratch uh, one of Travis Dermott or Zach Bogosian a little more often just to give them the rest that they need. Mm-hmm. And uh, certainly a guy like Ben Hun who can play. I think that's good work by Kyle Dubas. For sure. Um, exactly that. Um, like you were saying, I, I know Kyle Dubas tends to get, he remembers the people he wanted to trade for in the past. I'm just saying, I mean, it's kind of later. <laughs> it's it's better late than never, I guess, but it is kind of a little too late. Um but I think it's great for a, a depth pickup. Like a couple of seasons ago, I remember um, the trade rumors around Leafs and, and Ben Hutton when he played for the Canucks. Because uh, back then, I mean, he would have possibly, you know, been uh, a third pairing defenseman for the Leafs. Kind of actually played uh, good minutes with the Leafs and, and, and been a part of the defensive core. Um, now it, he is a more of a depth piece, but it, it definitely makes it a lot better, uh, especially heading into the playoffs um, if there's a an injury to one of the defensemen. Um, you know, it's not just the same like Martin Marinson <laughs> that has to get uh called up. Yeah, no, that's that's a good thing too. But if there's one thing about the Leafs and under the Kyle Dubas era is that they'll always find a way to keep Martin Marinson involved. Mm-hmm. 
So, uh, yeah, that's just a straight-up trade. The Leafs traded mainly, honestly, other than uh, anti-Suamela, uh, they traded pretty much picks away, all picks away, just to get the uh, the players that they got. They didn't trade, other than Barabanov, they didn't trade any roster players, any prospects at all um, coming up to the trade deadline. So we'll see how that plays out. I think that's a very key point to make. The Leafs uh, did not give up one of Nick Robertson, Sandine, uh, Amirov, and Soliliagrin, which is important because there's plenty of players on the on the open market that probably would have had the Leafs give up one of those assets. So to keep them on board is is huge. That's a critical uh, move, like important thing that they did, and uh, <clears throat> I think that's uh, something they need to. That, that should be commended for Kyle Dubas to, to try try and find a way to add to the roster without sacrificing their long-term plans. Now, obviously, trading draft picks uh, hurts into their long-term plans. There's no question about <laughs> they're, it. They're in win-now mode, though. We know that. But yeah, but yes, at the end of the day, it was important to keep the surefire things uh, in-house. So mm-hmm. I think that's good good work by uh, the Leafs ma- management team. Oh, for sure. Um, to round out the Leafs, we'll, we'll, we have a few more trades to talk about i guess from other teams but to round up the leafs part, portion of it uh i guess what what grade would you give kyle dubas for this trade deadline i think a b solid b plus uh they addressed pretty much all the needs that they uh, were hoping to uh address uh they got some quality pieces overall uh i don't agree with the price that they paid they they paid to get nick felino i've made that abundantly clear <laughs> uh i think that's what's preventing me from giving it a higher grade but yeah no solid mm-hmm. work all around by uh by the Leafs at the trade deadline it's probably one of their best trade deadlines in a while and uh i think this grade could definitely be improved uh if and i mean if the playoffs go well for sure um, I was going to say, yeah, like a B plus, maybe I'd give it like an A minus probably only, only reason I'm bordering into that. I still have the same feelings you feel about the, um, about the, the overpayment with Nick Foligno, but like the more I look at it, you know, it is a Nick Foligno is going to be a great player for the least exactly feels exactly what they need. I mean, they had to get salary retention, pay for that. And, and you know what, when you're a contending team, you just got to just got to do it to get the deal to go through. So I don't know how, what, what went on in Columbus's end, but I guess they drive a hard bargain. Um, but other than that, like they, like we were just talking about, they only traded away primarily draft picks and they got roster players back. Like they got um, not just depth pieces, like just random prospects. They got um, depth pieces that can actually play like that can be, um, you know, roster players if they were healthy um and and it just like the Leafs are getting set for a, a deep cup run and we'll see how that goes once it hits the first round um but they are definitely addressing all their needs with the David Riddick as well um so yeah um I think they they're loaded up and they've kind of solved a lot of the problems that they had yeah I think that's a the the, the best takeaway from this trade deadline the Leafs uh addressed everything that they needed to. They didn't give up a, a roster, a, a, a key prospect. And uh, yeah, pretty solid work overall. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm very happy with how, I can't, how the Leafs did the deadline. I can't overall. even think of another hole that they need to fill. They, they pretty much filled what we were talking about the last few weeks that they had to fill. I mean, they got that goal, another goaltender. They got, um, they got another, uh, you know, that, that middle six forward they were looking for. Um, they got, uh they and they got depth i mean if you're asking for like a defenseman which isn't even wasn't even one of their biggest things they you at least got a capable one exactly yeah uh, i think we've exhausted the least uh, trade uh, talk deadline uh, analysis long enough why don't we leave this to, the, this to you guys uh what do you guys think how would you grade the least trade deadline up right now mm-hmm. let us know uh, on, let's, get- let us know on our twitter do you think uh, we are being too harsh with our with our grades? We're we're just right, or should we give it higher ones? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I would again, like even we only have like one gripe with the whole with all the trades, and even that, like I would say, it still was a good trade for the Leafs. It just was a bit of an overpayment. But anyways, uh, yeah, enough of the Leafs. Let's talk about a couple more trades that went down. Uh, we talked about Taylor Hall. We could talk about it a little more after, but uh, I want to start off with the. Um, this one, uh, the Panthers, the Florida Panthers, acquired Sam Bennett and a 2022 sixth-round pick for uh, forward 
Emil Heinemann and uh, 2022 second round pick. And I just wanted to talk about this because Sam Bennett was a name that was linked with the Leafs for a while this season. Yeah, that's kind of funny uh, how he ended up getting paid for uh, just about the price that many people expect he would get paid for. Um, probably wasn't the player the Leafs needed to get. It would have been cool to get him just because of uh, his uh, his knack for being a playoff performer, which is, I think, part of the reason why he still had that appeal. Um, he should do well in Florida. And Florida actually has some key injuries to... Uh, a couple of their players, including Carter Verhege. So mm. that's actually a good, it's good. It's a good thing. They made the trade for him and also signed Nikita Gusev. And they have a good team going the there Devils. this season. Really good team. Yeah. Oh yeah. Florida is going to be scary this year. Florida. They, they, yeah. Go on. Yeah. I was going to say Florida might do some damage in the playoffs. I was going to say Florida as a whole in sports right now is killing it <laughs> in baseball, basketball, football and and now even hockey like we knew the tampa bay lightning were literally the cup champions but now the florida panthers are like they're like saying like don't don't leave us out you know yeah it's it's very uh it's very good work by the uh by the panthers at the deadline that their their team they're they're putting themselves in position you know it's actually crazy to me if this was a regular nhl season like with the this division standings as they were boston probably wouldn't make the make the playoffs that's how competitive some of the <laughs> former Atlantic Division teams are this year. Oh yeah, it's insane. Um, I'll ask you this: uh, since Sam Bennett was linked with the Leafs for so long, would you have wanted him, or uh, would you have wanted him for the price that the Panthers paid? Um, uh, no. And like I said, I think the, the, a, a price like that for a second round pick is probably better suited for a guy like Nick Foligno, who provides a little bit more, has more experience. And I think has that uh, leadership quality that uh, I don't know if Sam Bennett has as much of at this point. So yeah, I think a second round pick is probably a little too much for the, for them. For Sam Bennett, you're probably looking at a third mm-hmm. in my eyes. But yeah, listen, at the trade deadline, everybody overpays. I, again, I think that's really the big thing. Everyone overpays at the trade deadline. It's just how what kind of players you're getting back that uh, makes it sign of easier to digest but if it's uh not something you'd fully digest then you know yeah you can be a little bit uh mad at your gm but yeah no like i said every team will have some of their fans skeptical of the moves they make at the deadline and they'll probably look at it in a better light if their team does well in the playoffs are we sure about that because i was gonna say every team overpays except it seems the boston bruins (laughs) well they always get they always drive a hard bargain and get some sort of steal, it seems like. I swear we well, talk don't about you... that every trade deadline. Well, don't you know the NHL is uh, situated in Boston? They always try and help the Boston <laughs> Bruins. <laughs> uh, no, I guess, I mean, I guess they just got their front office, got some mad negotiating skills there. But, uh, I mean, we talked about Taylor Hall already, so we'll skip over that. But, yeah, I mean, it was just a, the trade market was just wild this season and i i don't think yeah i i think taylor hall's trade was just a one-off boston's crazy good at negotiating or something well i think uh the buffalo sabers were kind of in a pretty tough spot to begin mm-hmm. with uh having a player with, with such diminished value um wanting out uh probably wanted a new contract elsewhere. oh he also had a he had a trade clause right yes he did so that, that probably also, played into it yes a lot of things were playing into that, uh, and that put Buffalo in a very tough spot. But like I said, at the end of the day, they probably should have waited to make before they made the move. It was probably a little too fast because had they maybe waited it out as long as they possibly could until maybe around 2 o'clock Eastern Standard Time or maybe even closer to 3 o'clock, they probably could have gotten a little bit more. So th- I think that's that's where I think the skepticism comes. Like, could you... Is that it? That's all you could have gotten? It, it, it works both ways, long. though. Waiting waiting till the deadline could also make some teams back off, you know, like change their minds. So it's, it's kind of risky when you get close to that deadline. I guess. But I, at the same time, if uh, Buffalo Sabres are in a position where the season is bad, they'll try to get something out of it for down the line. You try and get much more than just uh, a second-round pick and Anders Bjork. Yeah, for sure. And then the last trade uh, I want to talk about was probably the biggest trade 
Uh, I guess, yeah, the biggest trade that really went down, like not in terms of just star power, but just in terms of uh, of uh, assets going back and forth, I guess. Uh, so uh, the Washington Capitals acquired uh, Anthony Mantha from the Detroit Red Wings uh, in exchange for uh, Jakob Vrana uh, and Richard Panic. Um and a 2021 first round pick and a 2022 second round pick. So all that for Anthony Mantha. And I want to know your take on this one. I think it's probably one of the biggest surprises of the trade deadline. I knew that the Detroit Red Wings were in a position where they are nowhere near close to contending just yet. But I did not think that uh, them move, wanting to move out Anthony Mantha was even a possibility. I just did not see it has a possibility. I was surprised that they even uh, decided to trade him. Um, but he you got, know what? He got more. I'd say he got more value out of that trade. Like Anthony Mantha drew more in his trade than Taylor Hall did and Nick Foligno did in their trades. But I mean, you also have to consider it. The Washington Capitals are trying to squeeze as much mm-hmm. juice out of uh, the last years of uh, Alex Ovechkin's uh, prime. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how much longer it's going to last. Like last season proved that there's there's some vulnerability and I don't know how much longer this will continue. So yeah, getting a, a younger presence, uh, a, not, not a younger presence, a little bit of an older presence, but also has some youth in him is something I think the Washington Capitals wanted. And I think uh, Anthony Mantha is a, is a great addition to their team. And he proved it last night with, with two points, including his first as a capital. Uh, I think Jacob Rana will be a good addition in Detroit long-term. And that first second round pick will come in handy for Detroit uh, who are still trying to complete their rebuild. But yeah, you know what? It's a, it was a strange move. I don't think anybody saw that coming, but you never doubt uh, Steve Eisman. He always knows what he's doing. It's just, I don't know on Washington's side. It's still kind of questionable. I was just looking at the stats. Obviously, like I said, these aren't. It's not comparing apples to apples here. It's it's not easy to, to compare the two. But uh, like Anthony Mantha is two years older than uh, Vrana, and uh, his career high. Like he's never hit even fifty points. Meanwhile, just last season, um, Vrana's hit twenty five goals and fifty two points, um, and he scored. The, the season before he scored 24 points so like he's a i would i would consider him a pretty highly touted pro not a prospect but a highly touted young guy um so I, I don't know like it seems like you're getting a lot more offensive production at least out of his first few years than what how anthony math has been playing the last few years so i don't know it's 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 kind of it's in, it's an interesting trade but i guess and detroit i mean we could tell like detroit made out like bandits in this one it's never 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 doubt steve eiserman exactly exactly yeah uh, uh i'll go on you want to mention some other couple of other trades uh from the deadline or around the deadline i think that are worth yeah, uh, a quick we'll, shout out yeah and then we'll uh round up this episode with that um here i have the trade tracker up here um the flyers made some trades as well um michael uh michael raffi uh trading him to uh the washington capitals for another tw- uh first round pick uh fifth round pick i read that wrong fifth round pick um There's that. i'm just looking uh nashville the nashville predators uh acquired air uh good branson from the senders um <laughs> all of a sudden they're now competing for they went from sellers to buyers like that yeah um i'm just looking uh oh boston uh let me find that the full trade details Boston, again, making trades, uh, acquiring Mike Riley from the Ottawa Senators for a third-round pick. Ottawa, I mean, uh, Boston, Boston's making some good trades, as usual. Like, uh, in Boston, like, they, I would say Boston had a really good trade deadline there. They picked up pieces that they needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the David Savard trade is tidy work by the Lightning. That's mm-hmm. pretty much the only move they could really make. Uh, they, pay, they, they probably paid even more than the Leafs did to get uh, a player on Columbus, mm-hmm. but, uh, they, they same gave thing up a, as, yeah, first, first rounder and a third rounder. And yeah, same go on. Yeah. A lot. That's a lot to get David Savard, but I know David Savard, uh, was connected to the lighting for quite a while. So it kind of makes sense why they, they made that move. Uh, yeah. 
50% of his salary was retained to one team, and then another 50% of it was retained to another team. Mm-hmm. So the Lightning only have 25% of his cap. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, I guess I guess when you're trying to do that, maybe, maybe that played into the Leafs overpayment. I mean, maybe yeah. that is a big thing. That's a thing that's valued pretty highly. In, in teams front offices the ability to retain salary not just once but twice over yeah mm-hmm. i guess the, the last trade we should we should mention is the jeff carter trade mm-hmm. first of all i for, I, I kind of forgot that jeff carter is still playing but uh <laughs> people were wondering if he was going to retire after this season because he's 36 his play is declining uh he's no i don't know if he's uh like what else does he need to prove gary has two stanley cups uh but no, he uh, said that that he wants to continue playing till next season, and why not? He has one year left on his eleven year contract that he signed back in twenty ten. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah, and I mean the Penguins—they are uh, again just like the cap- the Capitals. Uh, uh, they're trying to push themselves into a playoff spot right now. They're trying to squeeze out the last bit of uh, years of contention with their core of uh, Malkin and Crosby. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of surround pieces, surround those players with, uh, you know, winners. I mean, you know, he is a winner, Jeff Carter, and uh, he can bring a lot to that team, even if he is uh, on the decline. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. For for a guy like Jeff Carter, I don't think a lot of Flyers fans are going to be liking that move too much <laughs> because uh, Jeff Carter is a former uh, Flyer. Spent had some of his best seasons there. Obviously, didn't win a cup until he got traded to LA. Uh, yeah, so I, if you told a Flyers fan in 2010 that Jeff Carter would be playing for the uh, Penguins and Ron Hextall would be their general manager, I don't think they'd believe you. So, like, <laughs> here we are. Oh, man. Um, but, yeah, those are all the trades we want to talk about. Um, we'll close this episode out with a piece of news, a piece of hockey news. The uh, Toronto Marlies are actually uh, rescheduling some games uh, due to uh, – here, let me just find the actual. I don't want to misquote anything here, um, but basically for COVID uh, protocol, um, they are shutting down for one week due to a COVID nineteen situation. So that's three games worth. Um, if you if you guys want to follow the Marlies and uh, are looking for all the information, follow our friend Nick Barden. He was on this podcast a few episodes ago. Uh, he is your go to Marlies reporter this season for sure. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a pretty scary situation with COVID. Uh, nobody wants it. It's, it's, it's kind of one of those things that it's kind of hard to control, but you always wish for everyone's health and safety during these unprecedented times that continue to chug along. Um, and yeah, just hopefully, uh, whoever was infected on the Marlies, uh, has a safe and speedy recovery and that it was maybe only an isolated case and doesn't affect the rest of the team. Uh, and I hope that that's the case with Nick Robertson that, uh, him being on COVID protocols is for precautionary measures and not uh, because he actually was exposed to the virus because at least had a close call last week with uh, William Nylander getting, uh, being in contact with somebody that had COVID. The last thing they need is uh, a player to infect their team with COVID. Mm-hmm. But again, like, again, you always want to wish everyone stays safe, stays healthy uh, and uh, just does their best. And if, if they get infected with it, stay safe stay have a speedy recovery that's all i really can ask for Mm -hmm. for sure uh yeah so i mean we don't want to speculate if they have it or not but all we know so far is that nick robertson has been put on the covid protocol list since we're on the subject of covid protocol uh jt miller was just talked speaking with the media earlier today like actually in the last hour while we were recording this podcast uh he was asked about uh, how his team's prepared because uh, they are scheduled to play on Friday and they're supposed to play 19 games in 30 days. He bluntly said that he doesn't feel his team is ready at all and he doesn't feel that everyone's safe and uh, wishes that they found a way to give them time, give the team more time to prepare. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, isn't I, that crazy? It is crazy. I agree with him. Uh, Canucks have had a. On basically an outbreak of COVID cases, and uh, you know, when we started the season, that's literally what we were talking about. We just we honestly, the player safety is more important than getting games played, right? Um, 
So, yeah, I think they, they definitely need some more time. Like, I feel like, I mean, you heard it from him himself. It sounds like they are trying to get them to play games as soon as they are cleared to play. Uh, but, you know, COVID is a unknown. There's so much unknown about COVID still. It's, it doesn't about how it spreads and everything. And it doesn't feel that safe just to throw them back into games like a, a regular injury, you know? Yeah. Let me read you two quotes that he said during this presser. What you're, what we're being asked to do is not going to be safe, too safe. If you, if you're asking me, I hope people don't take this the wrong way. I'm a super competitive guy, but this isn't about hockey for our team. This is about the health and safety of our players, their families, and their children. This isn't about making the playoffs. If I'm the Canucks, I would protest the NHL's uh, decision to want to make them play 19 games in 30 days because that Canucks team is likely not going to make the playoffs. What are they even going to be playing for at this point? They should, If they really want them to keep finish their season, they should have given them more time. I thought it was crazy that they, 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 they made the, want them to resume their season so fast and with su- such little time to prepare and with such a tight window. So yeah, I, I don't fully agree with the NHL's decision there. And I, I think if the NHL really cared about the players' health and safety, they would find a way to postpone their games a little bit more. For sure. At the end of the day, it's, uh, it's not about uh, revenue because the league is not really making much money. If they really cared about their players' health and safety, they shouldn't be putting them in a position of risk. Because I don't want the Leafs to play two games on Saturday and Monday where they're playing a, a obviously tired team that's not fully ready. Like that's how, what kind of comp- quality competition on TV is that? I don't think that's going to be great TV. Mm-hmm. Oh, a hundred percent. And I think the league should have, you know, uh, allotted some more time between the end of the season and the playoffs to. Uh, almost anticipate the possibility of uh you know having to postpone games into that a certain area right a certain area of time and yeah i mean you can't really take players who literally had covid we don't know a lot about covid and the effects like i was just reading the other uh i was reading today actually uh jason tatum i mean he's been playing great obviously but he had covid a few months ago and he says he still feels the the effects of it like three months later and that's jason tatum that's a top level nba player superstar athlete um and and he's still struggling and 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 just to throw them back into games and and not even just throw them back into games but get them to basically overexert themselves in a very unreasonable schedule um like literally people who are just sick uh with covid um it's not right you know yeah you know it's crazy the canucks were had their practice facilities open supposed to have their practice facilities open on monday and I guess that would have given them enough time to practice for their first game on Friday. But they didn't get the clear right away. It took them a day or two before they could actually practice. And so basically, they only get one practice, and then they immediately get hit with a back-to-back just to, to resume their season. Like I don't know how a player is even going to manage that. They're going to be exhausted, and it's not going to be great to watch. Like I don't I don't know if... if, if, it, if opposing teams want to see that or yeah. even fan opposing fans want to see that because i that's not going to be fun to watch a, a even regular, if they are professional athletes a regular healthy player would be exhausted in that schedule now you're, you're taking you know players who literally had covid and like i said we were literally seeing that it has long-term effects on these athletes even um so you know it's it's not a good it's not a good situation overall nope uh, I will. So we'll have to wait and see how the situation plays out. Uh, we'll 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 try and keep you guys posted on it. But yeah, no, it's uh quite a scary situation for the Canucks. And you know what? I commend uh J T Miller for being so brutally honest about the whole situation. Uh, you never really see players do that, so good on him. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um. But yeah, I think that's pretty much everything we have uh for this uh this episode. Uh, we actually a lot of trade deadline talk we've been going almost an hour now so that's good um so yeah i think we'll close out this episode next week we will definitely bring back uh, a lot more blue jays and raptors talk uh hopefully a lot more things will happen there um but yeah i'll plug our socials now uh you can follow me on twitter at matt underscore rodrigo underscore you can follow me on twitter at the leafs imo and of course you can follow our podcast account uh, on twitter Mm-hmm. And feel free to uh, 
again, follow and, and tweet us anything, any questions, any suggestions, um, and uh, even your thoughts on the uh, trade deadline deals that went down. Yeah, we'd love to uh, interact online. That is at Behind the Net Pod, in case you uh, were wondering, at Behind the Net Pod. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so uh, we will catch you all next week. Take care, guys.